And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. It could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And he ran before, verse 40, ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was to pass that way. I want to preach this morning on up a tree and out on a limb. Up a tree and out on a limb. Back, let's go back up to verse 2 and let's establish what we have going on here. So Jesus is coming along and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus which was a chief among the publicans and he was rich. Now he was a publican which was like a modern day what we call a tax collector. And this guy wasn't very well liked but tax collectors were known to be very rich. And they were known to skim off the top. And they were known to do people the wrong way. And it says that he was one of these publicans and that he was the chief among the publicans. So he was, not only did he have wealth, but he was very popular. He was chief among the publicans. So this guy was well known and he was rich. So he had everything the world could offer. All the finances the world could offer. All the fame, the, anything you could think of, Zacchaeus had it. But verse 3 it says, and he sought to see Jesus who he was. Why would he seek to see who Jesus was? He already has all the wealth he could want. He has, that's what the world tells you, amen. The world tells you, if only we could be rich, if only we could hit that Powerball and win that lottery, all our problems would go away. That's what the world will tell you. And the world will have you convinced, if only we could become a sports star, only we could become a superstar, be a star, and be in the Hollywood movies, all our problems will go away. But they don't do that. We see these guys up in Hollywood, especially the suicide rate. And uh, Brother Cliff was mentioning about the suicide up in Hollywood. And we have just, it seems like every time you pick up the paper, somebody else has killed themselves in Hollywood. Have all the fame, all the riches, and all, all the notoriety a man or woman could ever want. And yet, yet they kill themselves. And if they don't kill themselves by suicide, they literally are killing themselves through drugs and alcohol. They're not happy. He's searching for something else. He's searching for something else. He has all the riches. He has everything. But there's something he's missing in his life. He's missing peace. And he hears about this man. This man he's heard about all these years. He's heard about this man named Jesus Christ. And he hears that Jesus Christ is coming his way. And he sought to see Jesus who he was. And could not for the press because he was little of stature. Now, Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was just a little bit man. And I can't remember, was that they taught us in Sunday school? Oh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he? And he climbed up into a sycamore tree. For the Lord he sees. So you can see how much I went to Sunday school when I was a little kid. I didn't go to Sunday school. Amen. The Lord had to save me when I was 17. But I know there's stories and songs about Zacchaeus. And he's just a little bitty guy. But here we have, and this has to be kind of weird, it says he could not for the press because he was little of stature. Can I go so far as to say that we can't see Jesus Christ because of the press today? Can I go so far as to say that the press today is the news media? That you can't come to Jesus Christ, you can't see the man, Jesus Christ, like you should because of the press today. Now, I know the Bible's talking about the, the, the crowd, the crowd that was around Jesus Christ was so amazing and incredible, you couldn't get around him to even touch him or get around him. I believe, and I want to preach this morning a little bit about this press being the news media today. The world is being stopped from seeing the Jesus Christ that I know. 
You know, the news media, they're telling you who they want you to vote for. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're leading you that way. Have you noticed that? They want you to vote for a certain person. So and you say, well, what do you mean by that, Brother King? Well, if you notice, they're only t- going to tell you the good about a certain person. I won't name any names, Hillary. <laughs> and somebody they don't like, they're going to tell you everything bad they can dig up, Ted Cruz. And they'll do that. And I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you I even support Ted Cruz. But it's real obvious they don't like Ted Cruz. And they bash him every chance they get. You know, years ago they got in trouble. Some of the news media got in trouble because they were taking Obama who they like, and he'd give a speech, and they would take his speech, and they would clean it up, and then make it more literate, and then make it more clean, and they'd clean it up and fix it up, and you say, why would they do that, Brother Keegan? Because they like him, and they would never have done something like that for Bush. Why? Because they hate Bush. They, they, they're going to tell you who they, they're going to tell you who they, want to, who they want you to vote for, and they're going to push these people down your throat, and they do all this stuff. Uh, let me give you a good example about sports stars. There's a man named Manny Pacquiao. He was on one of the, if the, I think I believe one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Well, money-raising pay-per-views, he's a boxer. He's a Puerto Rican boxer. And he was fighting a Floyd Mayweather, this boxer who'd never been defeated. Everybody thought, this is the guy, Manny Pacquiao is the guy to beat Floyd Mayweather. One of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. Well, he came out, and, and, and Manny Pacquiao came out, and he said, I'm against homosexuality. I'm against homosexual marriage. I think it's evil, and I think you need to follow what the Bible says, what God says. Amen. I, I agree with him. And he came out and he was supportive of that. Now, you've got to understand Manny Pacquiao's background. Manny Pacquiao used to be a Catholic and he converted to Christianity. And he accepted Jesus Christ. I didn't say that. That's what the media says. They got that right. He was a Catholic. He converted to Christianity. And then he started supporting the Lord. Well, of course, what do you think the media is going to do to somebody like that? They're going to bash him. And he, lately he came out and he said, we're no, if you're doing that, we're no better than animals. Even animals are no better than to act like that. Amen. And, of course, what does the media do? They start bashing him. Nike, Nike comes in. Nike says, we're not going to support you anymore. Nike was supporting him. And Nike withdrew their promotion and their support for Manny Pacquiao. So the latest headline I read was, Manny Pacquiao still is homophobic slurs on Instagram. You know what he did? He quoted a verse on the Bible. That's a homophobic slur to them. Guys, I'm telling you that to warn you that it's coming. Your Bible is hate literature to some of these people. And there's coming a time where if you have this Bible, you're holding something that's hate literature. Because it goes against what they want you to believe. They don't like what God says and they want to go against everything God says. And the Bible says there in verse 3, it says, And could not for the press. Could not for the press. So let's, let's move along. I've gotten too far into that. And he sought to see Jesus who he was. i got a question for you this morning. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus just simply a historical figure that's made up in some people's minds? That's what, the, that's what some people will tell you. You know, you watch Discovery and the History Channel and some of these other uh, media outlets, and they'll basically have Jesus as some kind of historical figure. Or they'll maybe have Jesus that he really existed, but he was simply just a, a regular man, and they've made him out to be bigger than he even actually meant to be. That's what they'll say. Is Jesus Christ a philosophy? Just a man that he gave you a way to live, he's just an idea or a philosophy? Is Jesus Christ that to you this morning? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a couple more questions. Maybe Jesus Christ was a liar. Jesus Christ, maybe he lied when he said what he said about being the Son of God. Maybe Jesus Christ was a lunatic. Maybe Jesus Christ said these things not knowing that he's crazy. That's what you call a lunatic. He really believed what he was saying. He can only be a liar 
or a lunatic, or let me give you the third one, Lord. Amen. What does that mean? He really was who he said he was, and he really did what he said he did. And guys, he's either one of those three. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. I pick number three, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus wanted to know, see. Zacchaeus really wanted to know who is this man, Jesus Christ, who he was. And could not for the press because he was little of statue. And he ran before, verse 4, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Can you imagine going by and you're seeing a guy, in the modern day we'll say he's in a suit and tie, and he's way up in a tree, climbed up in a tree. He's like, what's that rich guy doing in a suit and tie, hanging up from the tree? How silly must that look? How silly must have Zacchaeus felt when he was in there with all his rich clothes? Isn't that Zacchaeus, the chief of the publican? What's he doing way up in the tree? Must he have looked silly? Guys, this morning I want to ask, are you up a tree and out on a limb? Are you up a tree and out on a limb? Maybe you've put yourself there. Maybe you've put yourself there up in a tree because of all the sins in your life. When I say up a tree and out a limb, I'm talking about you're in a bad way. If you find Brother Keegan up a tree and out on a limb, there's a big bear chasing Brother Keegan. Something's after Brother Keegan to put him up a tree and out on a limb, amen. Something took Zacchaeus and put him up a tree and out on a limb. Can I say that maybe it's your sins, things you've done? Is there things you've done in your life that have put you up a tree and out on a limb? Maybe there's some people you've hurt. Maybe there's some people you've heard in your life that's put you up a tree and out on a limb. Maybe you're running from some things. Maybe you're running from some things in your life. Maybe you're running from some sin in your life. And your sin has took you up a tree and out on a limb. You know, from this part of Texas that I grew up in, used to, I don't believe anybody does anymore, people used to go coon hunting. Amen. Amen. They used to go coon hunting. And they'd get that old coon and let their hounds out and they'd have their hounds and you'd take your hound out and you'd send your hounds out and they'd go out and you'd be following them and you'd hear them out there barking and they'd, you'd hear them. The sound of the dog would change when you hurt, when he got a hold of that coon and got him up in a tree. And the sounds of the hounds would change. They'd, oh, 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 oh. They'd start a certain baying. It would be a baying, a howling as they got that. And you knew he's got one. He's got one up in a tree. He's got one up in a tree, and they were hoo, hoo, barking, barking, howling, ho, ho, and they were waiting for their master to get there to finish off that coon that was up in the tree. Have you been run up a tree by the hounds of sin? Have the hounds of sin been chasing you all your life and finally got you up a tree and out on a limb? Maybe you're there in your life. And the hounds of sin are just baying, waiting for their master Satan to get there and finish you off. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus. I got some good news for you this morning. Jesus Christ is coming by your way. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is coming by your way. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Amen. See, Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and he just wants to see Jesus Christ. He wants to see him, and as Jesus Christ walks by, and Zacchaeus is up in the tree, Jesus Christ stops, looks up, and says, Zacchaeus. 
What does that tell you? When Jesus Christ comes by your way this morning, He knows your name. He knows you. Let me go so far to tell you about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He not only knows your name, He knows everything about you and the sins you have and the sins you're running from and the sins you're in bondage to. He knows what's put you up that tree and out on a limb. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some historical figure. I'm not talking about some kind of philosophy or an idea. I'm talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about God manifesting the flesh that knows all things, walking by and looking up and saying, Keegan, I got something for you. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Make haste. Make haste and come down. Jesus Christ has got some advice for you this morning. Why don't you come on down? Come on down. And make haste and come on down. See, coming down to Jesus Christ isn't something you should wait to do. Coming down to Jesus Christ is something that you shouldn't put off. Coming down to Jesus Christ is not something you should say, that's for another day. That's for a time, another time. That's for when I get a little older or when I, I get a wife or maybe when I, when, I, when I clean some stuff up in my life. Jesus Christ didn't say, clean things up and come on down. Jesus Christ simply said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Why must Zacchaeus come down? For today I must abide at thy house. You must allow Jesus Christ to abide with you and in you. What I mean by that is you must allow Jesus Christ to come into your life and you must be born again. Amen. You must allow Jesus Christ to come in and change your life. He's got to abide with you. He can't simply be a philosophy or an idea. He can't simply be somebody you've heard about in church all your life. You must make Jesus Christ your personal Savior. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, and come down for today I must abide at thy House In verse 6, and he made haste, Zacchaeus made haste, and came down and received him joyfully. Amen. You see what Zacchaeus did is what you need to do. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to receive him joyfully. You need to receive him. Zacchaeus didn't have to come down. See, Jesus Christ is a free gift by God given to you that, on the cross of Calvary for your sins. Jesus Christ is a free gift that's given to you, offered you freely by the grace of God to get you out of hell into heaven. That's what Jesus Christ is. But like any kind of gift, it can be offered to you, but you've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. Many has received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Amen. That's John chapter 1, verse 12. You've got to receive him. You've got to receive him by faith. You've got to receive this free gift. And notice that Zacchaeus, praise the Lord, he received him joyfully. He was excited that Jesus Christ was there. He was excited to come down and receive Jesus Christ. I remember when I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was about 17 and I walked down the aisle. You know what I knew? I just knew it felt so good. I just had so much. It just felt, I felt clean and I felt so good and I felt so happy. And I wasn't, I was just, and I remember saying, well, we need to get you baptized. Yeah, I need to get baptized. And I was excited about all these things, but man, I just, I just felt so good 
there's something I can't describe the joy I had when I received Jesus Christ. I remember there was a 13-year-old girl, and I was preaching out at uh, Coleman, Texas, out at Harmony Baptist. She come on down the aisle, and she took her, put her hand in the preacher's hand, and she asked she wanted to be saved. And I, I talked to her a little bit about the Lord. She said, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. She wanted to get saved. And I remember she got down on her knees, and she asked Jesus Christ to save her the best way she knew how. She prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save her. And I remember when we were getting up off our knees, I remember her saying to me, it just feels so good. It just feels so good. There was a man that lived over in London. He ran houses for the poor children of the streets that didn't have anywhere to go. And he, he ran a bunch of houses like that, basically orphanages. And he was telling a story that he ran into this. He was going down the street and this little kid ran up to him and he said, uh, Will you take me into your house? And that, that, that man, he, he looked at that little kid and he said, uh, I don't even know who you are. How do I let you in when I don't even know who you are? Where are you coming from? And that little kid looked at him, and he, that little kid pointed at the, the, the rags that that little kid was wearing, and he said, I thought these rags would be enough. I thought these rags would be enough. And that man said, it is enough. And that man took up that little boy into his arms and took him into the house. Guys, your rags are enough for Jesus Christ to save you. He knows your sin. He knows you're up a tree and out on a limb. He knows all the problems in your life. He knows. And he wants to save you. And he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, verse 7, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Amen. <laughs> see, verses like that, they disturbed me up. Because see what it says? That Jesus Christ went to be a guest with a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is a friend to sinners. Amen. And the world does not like that. The world doesn't like that. The world likes to say, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. I am a hypocrite, but I'm a saved hypocrite. <laughs> you're just a sinner. He does, that pastor, he does things that are wrong. Amen, I do things that are wrong. But I'm saved. And Jesus Christ abides with me and in me. He's my guest. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ, he becomes a guest with the sinner. And the world murmurs against that. They don't understand us. The world don't understand us. They think that we're trying to be holier than thou. We're not trying to be holier than thou. The only difference between me and you is that I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. So, well, what makes you so special? Nothing, absolutely nothing about me special. But one thing, Jesus Christ. Amen. I received Jesus Christ, that free gift. See, I took the free gift. You know what? I got some good news for you. You can too. <laughs> you can do the same thing I did by faith. Bow down. Ask Jesus Christ to save you. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And He will abide in your house no matter if you are a sinner. Amen. Amen. He's good. That He was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. I love that verse right there. Man, that, that gives me some excitement. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. I'm going to show you something in verse 8. It says Zacchaeus stood. You know, we need to make a stand for Jesus Christ. We need to do a better job of making a stand for Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus, he made a stand for Jesus Christ in his own house and in front of his friends. We need to make a stand for Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. See, that's what every Republican's known for doing. Every Republican's known for skimming off the top and cheating men. And he says, hey, Lord, if I've cheated somebody, I'll pay them back four times what I cheated them. You know what they call that? Repentance. True repentance. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and he saves you, you want to start trying to make things right. You're up in the tree, you're out on the limb, Jesus Christ calls you down. You know what you do when you come down out of that tree and Jesus Christ saves you? You go back and you start trying to do some right things that you've done wrong. There's some people you've done wrong, some things you've done wrong, you try to come back, you try to fix them. There's some people you've done wrong, you try to call them up and you say, you know what, I, I know I hurt you and I, I, I ask you, please will you forgive me. I was wrong, I shouldn't have done it, will you please forgive me. You know, sometimes that's all people are looking for, is for you to say you were wrong. And seek for forgiveness. I had to do this recently. My poor, <laughs> I embarrassed my poor wife. We were at the grocery store in Brownwood called Aldi's. And you know, they don't, they don't give you nothing. You just basically show up there and then you, put, you put all your food in like boxes or whatever. And you put your box there. And we had put our box on this counter and there was a girl checking us out. And my wife knows I don't like this girl. And I have to really watch myself because this girl always gives us dirty looks. And she just has that look on her face I don't like. So I already have an attitude when I put the box on there, and she goes, you need to take that out of that box. I said, why? Why should I have to take that? Why, why are you even making us do that? And she got so mad at me, and I got so mad at her, and I had that box at the other end of the counter, and you asked my wife, I, had, I was taking my groceries out and slinging it down the, the aisle like that. Here, take them right there. Take them. And I was trying to do it as quick as I could. And my wife said, I thought you were going to break those olives. I was trying to break the olives. I was trying to make a mess. That's how big a fool I am. So what happens? Well, I get out of the store, and you know what happens? In my heart, the Lord says, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, I know, Lord. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I know, Lord. So what do I do? Well, I had to pray about it. I said, Lord, will you please forgive me? You need to go and tell her you're sorry. Mm. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry I've done it, but I don't want to have to go back and tell her I'm sorry. So I was off work some weeks later, and my wife was at work, but I was off work. I can't remember what holiday it was. They gave us all the way at work, and I went, had to go up to Aldi's by myself, and there she was at the counter. I'm going to make it right. And I went up to her, and I said, hey, I apologize what I did to you the other day. you remember what I did to you the other day? And she goes, I, did, I, did, I remember that, but I don't remember your face. I said, well, that was me. I'm sorry. I apologize. She goes, it's all right. You didn't. You, you didn't mean nothing about it. I said, no, no, I didn't mean something about it. And I should have done that. And I, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you please forgive me? She goes, don't worry about it. It's okay. And there was this old man behind me. He was behind me. He goes, don't worry about it, son. Blankety blank happens. That's what happens. Blankety blank happens like that. Just cussing up a storm. I said, no, no, no. It does matter. I shouldn't have acted that way. See, that's the kind of, and you know what? The people that are around there, when I act like that, they'll say, see, there's the pastor. He's a hypocrite. Look how he was treating that girl. See, that's a testimony that I lost. Maybe some people saw me acting that way. And I had to go back and make that right. I had to be like Zacchaeus. I had to repent. I had to do some things right. What does Jesus Christ say about that? Look at verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation coming to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Amen. You want salvation? You're going to have to come to Jesus Christ and receive him. What does being a son of Abraham mean? Son of Abraham simply means that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. See, so that's the salvation mean you have. Romans chapter 4, go home and read it. Romans chapter 4. 
Abraham believed God, and God counted that unto him for righteousness. What does that mean? Brother Keegan simply believed Jesus Christ, and God says, because you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to count you righteous. Amen. Amen. That's the salvation we have. Because look at verse 10 in closing. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Jesus Christ, he came into this world simply to seek the lost. He came to seek the lost. See, this book right here, this Bible right here, this Bible is not about 99 sheep that are found. This Bible is about the one sheep that is lost. Now, if you're underneath the sound of my voice and you're lost, Jesus Christ died for you and he's searching for you. I'm going to say this to you. Jesus Christ is seeking you. You're out in the forest of life and you've got yourself up a tree and you're out on a limb and the hounds of sin are baying and baying and, and Satan is on his way to finish you off and Jesus Christ is in that forest and he's looking for you. He's seeking for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You might not realize it when you're up in the tree and out on a limb, but you are lost. Let me tell you something about being lost, what that means. Being lost means you've got a place that you belong. You belong in heaven. You know what Jesus Christ said? The hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. De Listen, hell was never meant for me and you. God never meant hell to be for me and you. He was prepared for the devil and his angels. When the Lord says you're lost, that means you need to be where you're supposed to be. When something's lost, it was where it's, it's not where it's supposed to be. There's a place it belongs. I'm here to tell you, your soul belongs in heaven. It don't belong in hell. And Jesus Christ has done everything a person can do. He's put, he's put himself on the cross of Calvary. He shed his precious blood. He's done it all. He's paid it all. Now it's in your court to receive that gift. Because he's seeking you. And you're lost. Christian, are you lost? You know where your home is. You're like the prodigal son. You know you're going to heaven, but you're not. You're out way out here in the boondocks. You're doing things you shouldn't do. You don't have that love for the Lord like you used to have. You don't have that fire for the Lord like you used to have. You, you don't have that peace. You need to come on home to the Father. You need to repent and say, you know what? I'm going this way, but I know where my home's at. You're like the prodigal son. I know where the Father lives. I'm going to turn around and go back to the Father where I know He is. You know what I know about the Father? He's waiting down the road looking for you. He's looking for you. See, we're out in the world and we live as Christians. We don't live for the Father. And the whole time the Father's worried about us. Man, I hope today's the day he comes home. And he's out on the road looking. And when we come down that old road with that beard, scrubby in rags, living in the world, the world's took advantage of us and ruined us, and we come back to the Father... The Bible says that the Father, He runs up. He puts His arms around us and He kisses us. My son that was lost is now found. Amen. Amen. See, God wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. If you're not saved this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ wants you to come home. Say, so I'm not lost. Let me tell you something. This woman was in uh, the grocery store and lost her daughter. She couldn't find her daughter. And she went up to the front like they do. And she went to the front and she said, uh, will you call for my daughter? Well, the guy got on the speaker and said, well, Mary Moore, please come to the front to your mother. 
And the mother waited and waited and waited, and the daughter never showed up. And the mother was getting just ecstatic, just really, really worried. And about that time, she saw her daughter walking down the aisle, down, and she ran down that aisle. She grabbed her daughter, and she said, Mary, I've been calling you. Where are you at? Did you not hear the man call you over the speaker say, Mary Moore, will you please come to the front? Mary Moore, if you're lost, please come to the front. She told her mom, I thought it was a different Mary because I'm not lost. <laughs> yeah, you are lost. That girl never knew the danger she was in. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't realize your danger you're in. You're in danger of hell. There was a ship that was called the Royal Charter. It was coming from London. It was getting real close to London. And right before it got to port, it had been all over the world. And right before it got to port, it sank. And practically everybody on the boat died. And that pastor was called up and said, you know, the ship sank. And, the, the, and this is way back in the 1800s. And the wife doesn't know about it. We want you to go tell the wife that her husband is dead. Being the pastor he was, he went to the house, and he said he went, he went to the house out in the country, he went and he knocked on the door, and he said he's, he knocked on the door, the little daughter of that man that died opened up the door, and she goes, oh, I thought you were my daddy. My daddy's supposed to be coming home today. And the pastor said, is your mama home, little girl? And she said, yeah, yeah, mama, mama's here. And he said he stepped in the house, and the, the kitchen table was full of food, and the wife was sitting there, and the wife got up, and she had a big smile on her face. The wife said, oh, I thought you were my husband. You know, he's supposed to be coming home today. Pastor, why don't you stay with us and eat, and eat with me and my husband? She said, it'll be like heaven. Just please stay and eat with us. And the pastor said, darling, I got something to tell you. Your husband's not coming home. The ship went down. The royal charter went down. He's not coming home. And the wife screamed, oh God, so close to home, but lost. So close to home, but lost. Don't let that be you. This close to accepting Jesus Christ and lost. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.